So uh, we are in a series called Back to Normal, and that has a question mark because uh, what is normal and what are we expecting to come back to and uh, what does it even look like and all those different things. And so what we've been talking about are the different things that we've learned over COVID. And maybe you've learned some different things than I have or you've experienced COVID in a different way than I have if you are uh, living in, uh, you're challenged socioeconomically, you're, the way you experienced COVID was totally different than someone who was not. Uh, depending on which neighborhood you're in, you are experiencing uh, COVID different than someone who's not. Depending on what your family dynamic is, right? Staying at home with everybody. Uh, for some, it was like, this was the greatest thing in the world. For others, it's like, yeah, not so much. And so uh, it, it, all, it all depends. But... Uh, over kind of this entire year and as we head back into things being opened up, um, I think there are some common things that we've all seen. One thing we learned from the very beginning in the intro is that I think people are a lot closer to God than we think they are. And depending on what your news source is or how you kind of gather information, you might think, quote, the other side, the evil one. Okay, right? So whatever. if you're listening to MSNBC, you know the other side. You know the evil one. If you're listening to Fox News, you know who those people are. And they're so far from God, are they not? I mean, I mean, honestly, Democrats, if you're a Republican, a Democrat, I don't even know if they even know. They don't even believe in God, honestly. And then if you're, uh, if you're a Democrat, you're like Republicans, they, they don't, I don't even know if they, you know, they're not even allowed to believe in God. Anyway, so the, the point is, regardless of which side you're on, right? So uh, you're going to see that. But then what we talked about, because uh, we looked at Noah, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Jonah, and uh, two different stories. One's a whale in the water, one's on top of the water. Okay, anyway. Uh, so uh, we looked at Jonah and how Jonah didn't want to go to these people in Nineveh because he knew God was so gracious, right? And so we talked about that. We talked about the fact that we never have been, we are not now, and we never um, will be in control, right? We talked about that one week. We talked about um, the importance of being present with people rather than having to be right, rather than having to inform everybody. Since now we're all epidemiologists, congratulations, you got your degree. Uh, we're informing rather than just being present. So we talked about that. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about something that um, touches mothers very much. If you've, if you've had a child or whatever, and uh, as Taylor was mentioning, you know, we celebrate Mother's Day, but there's all sorts of ways that we impact kids, all of us. And so uh, for those of you who've struggled maybe to have kids, or you're wondering if you should adopt, or I was just out to lunch with another pastor, and um, they just started fostering, which is amazing. And uh, the guy works a full-time job, is planting a church, and they decided to foster because, you know, what else are you going to do, right? I mean, they're just super busy. It's just however that manifests itself. But for, for people who have kids in the home, this might be the sermon for you uh, this morning. When I was uh, fresh out of college, I graduated with a business degree. Um, I, I, try, I went to school for a theology degree, but was failing miserably at that. And so I switched to business, which for me was easier than theology because I was never going to do anything with theology, right? So um, I, I, uh, I, I get my business degree and I come out and it was during the dot-com boom. I don't know if for those of you who are old enough, um, uh, 
the dot-com boom, everything, tech started, you know, that was like kind of the, when the internet started to launch and all this stuff. And so there was a guy that worked in my company that was seven years older than me, so he had more expendable income. So he was investing in uh, the stock market, and he kept bragging about all this money he was going to make. And so I'm like, I got a business degree. That almost assures me of making money. And so I, uh, I took $2,000 which um, Lisa's just finding out about this now. No, I'm just kidding. I took $2,000, which we barely had, and I invested in the stock market. Well, the NASDAQ part of the stock market. And that $2,000 turned into $5,000. Like I said, I don't mean to brag, but I have a business degree. And so I took the $2,000, that became $5,000. And I, I'm not kidding. One, because I was 25 at the time, but I literally started thinking about quitting my job and becoming a day trader. Okay? I know everyone's just like sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> Surprise, I didn't do that. Okay? So I, I, I made, from 2000, I made 5,000, and, uh, and I invested in um, uh, all these different like startup companies because they, they had angel funding and they were all going public and it was awesome. And uh, so then my $5,000 turned into like $4,700, which then turned into like $4,000, which then turned into $3,500, and then $3,000. And I went all the way back down to $2,000. Now, the wise person would say, uh, you know what? I'm probably not cut out for this. Not me, baby. In my eyes, they stole 3,000 of my dollars. Now, granted, I didn't earn that money. I didn't work for any of those companies. I just placed my $2,000 into something that did something and then didn't do something. That's all that basically happened. And so uh, my $2,000 then became $1,500. And that did actually hurt a little more. And then it became 1,000. And then it became 500. And uh, I was investing in companies like, um, I, I just looked at my, I just went back to that time. I actually wrote down all my expenses back then. And so um, uh, I, one was called Dynagen, okay? Uh, one company, uh, they went bankrupt, so don't even look them up. Uh, one company was called Cybernetics. So like if I were making a movie about an evil company, that's what I'd call it, like cybernetics. Like, and then cybernetics took over and, you know, implanted chips into everyone's brains, you know, Elon Musk. And so, uh, and so like, that went bankrupt. Uh, I did a company called Global Crossing, which was going to put giant cables down uh, under the ocean for, to connect all the different uh, continents with um, internet. That went bankrupt. Um, and so... Everybody went bankrupt. So I had 500 of my own dollars. And so I decided, because I, did I mention I have a business degree? Okay, cool. Because I have a business degree, I decided to open up what they call a margin account. Now, a margin account is a fancy word for a credit card uh, for stock people. And basically what they do is they give you a line of credit. And then the collateral, which is uh, the assets that kind of back that that line of credit up are the stocks. And as long as the stocks stay the same price or go higher, which they will because I have a business degree, uh, then you're fine. But if they dip below, you get what they call a margin call. Margin calls are not fun. Margin calls are bad. 
Margin calls mean, hey, we lent you some money. Um, the assets that were backing up that money have now dipped, and so we need actual real money from you. And it goes like this. Like, it sounds like this. When you get the statement or the phone call, it sounds like this. Hey, we lent you some money. Now we need it. Okay, right? That's what it sounds like. Didn't quite sound like that, but that's what it feels like. That's what a margin call feels like, okay? So needless to say, I had a margin call. I didn't have the money. I sold all my stocks, everything. The whole process cost me about $1,800. I had $200 left in the bank account, okay, because of this margin. Because I was operating way, way, way to the extent of what I could operate as. I was like at the edge. And I learned a valuable lesson for that period of my life. There were many, many other lessons that I learned along the way. I never opened up a margin account, just so we're clear about that. But I learned uh, that, you know, probably stocks is not my thing. I probably shouldn't day trade. Oh, and my business degree was basically useless as it comes to trading stocks. But I was operating too far to the edge. Now that's great, it cost me $1,800. Do I think $1,800 is a little bit of money? No, I think $1,800 is a lot of money. And it was terrible. But some of us are operating our lives with a margin account. Everything's at the edge. How we spend our time, our relationships, our finances, all these things come to the very edge. If you were to probably put it in a picture, my son came back from college. And if you know anything about me, I like to work in my garage. And when my son came back to college, this is what my garage looked like. Okay? Now, I can... I know where everything is there. I could find it if I needed it. But the process of being able to find something in that garage is frantic. It's stressful. Some of our lives look like this. We are operating in a margin account. And one of the things, as we talk about going back to normal, this is where we were before COVID. We were working too much. We're wasting too much time. We weren't spending our money very wisely. And what I'm hoping is that by the end of this sermon, which is, a, you know, a big ask, is that we begin to think, maybe I don't have to go back to this. Now, I cleaned my garage. Oh, and then we had a leak in our house, and so I, all my furniture was in my garage, too. I took this last night. You can barely see it. That's what my garage is supposed to look like. I want to hug my garage when it looks like this. It's like a nice friend. Now, it looks cluttered because I have a bunch of stuff in there, but I know everything's organized. This is, kiss him, this is the vision God has for you and your life. We were not designed to live at the margin, right at the edge financially, right at the edge emotionally. Right at the edge where our kids, since it's Mother's Day, are going to soccer, ballet, art, and all these different things where we're rushing around. We got half the family eating. I'm only talking about because our kids are, uh, they're all, this is what our life was like when we had kids. When we still have kids, but they're older. Uh, one is at home now for the summer uh, for uh, 92 more days. And uh, 
and then he goes back to college. But, um, but this, is, this is where it is. It's like half of you eat at El Pollo Loco, half of you eat, you know, just depending on where, on where the kids are, where you're at. Here's how I define margin. Margin is the space between our current conditions and our breaking point. So you can overlay this idea of margin anywhere you want. You can put it in your marriage. You can put it in your finances. You can put it in your time. You can put it in your career. Of You are just getting right to the edge. The space between our current conditions and our breaking point. Uh, by the way, I was talking to someone last week, and they said one of the reasons they like watching online is they can take their camera and take a picture of the screen, and then it will be there. You're all welcome to do that. Just, you can just pull your camera up and take a picture of that. That's fine. Or you can email me. Here's the vision God has for your life. This is weird. It's not going to make any sense. But this is the vision. This is the vision that God has when you give him everything you have. When you give him your life, when you say, I am not in control of my life. I am not the authority in my life. You are the authority in my life. This is the description God has for you. It's in the idea of fruit. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, when I'm allowing God, when I'm allowing space in my life, enough margin to experience God in my relationships, in my finances, in my career, as I'm raising my children... He gives this fruit. This is what your life is supposed to produce. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness. And self-control. That is supposed to be how our lives are described. It goes on to say, against these things there is no law. I mean, when you... Put all those things together and you put them juxtaposed. If I put those juxtaposed to my own life, what needs to be removed in my life to create more margin so that I can be experiencing peace? In other words, when I go back to my job from COVID, when the kids go back to school, when sports, again, we're in California, so we're a little more closed down than some other states, but uh, when, when we go back to sports, when we go back to quote-unquote normal, do I want to go back to where there's no margin? No. And I think we have a unique opportunity to have how we talk to our employer, how we handle school, all these different things. Like When I go back, I want to leave some margin for love, and joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Basically, that's the opposite of like, I don't know, social media <laughs> and the internet, I guess. That's, that's how God describes us when we submit to his will. So, we're going to look at a few things uh, in the Bible. I, uh, we'll get, I, I, I knew we'd get to the Bible at some point, right? So um, the first thing I want to look at is kind of how God designed us. When, when God designed us, it says in the Bible, and what, you know, again, I get flack for this, but whether you believe in a literal seven-day creation, like it literally took seven days, totally fine. Totally fine. If you believe it took longer than that, it, it took the seven days was just kind of a description over a longer period of time. 
I personally have no, pro no problem with that. The point to me in Genesis is that God created. How he did it, I have no idea. If I get to heaven and he says, it was a little seven days, I wrote it down. What are you, an idiot? I'm like, yes, I am. Am I still in? Yes, you are. Okay, cool. Good, thanks. Right, that's, that's how it would go down. Right, so whether that is, the point is God created. And, and all the way back to creation, he started a pattern. He worked for seven days, uh, for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And he created a space where we would have margin. Where we would, wor we would work, we, uh, there was this idea that in the Garden of Eden we didn't work. No, our job was to work. We had to tend the garden. It was just that sin brought a bunch of nonsense into our lives that we don't need, that we weren't designed for, that we need God to help us handle. And that's basically the way it goes down. And so he, he did that. And so in the garden, we sinned, we messed it up, toil came, sin came, death came, brokenness came. And so God then says, okay, we'll set up another land, land flowing with milk and honey. You will be my people. I will be your God. Go do that. They did that, and it worked. It flourished. And then they just started losing margin. They started relying on other gods. They started taking their wealth and, and, and uh, relying on wealth, relying on uh, these different uh, cultural ideas, these cultural norms that infested what they were doing, and they lost margin, and God sends them into slavery. For 400 years, they're in slavery. When, when they come out, they have a slave's mentality. You have to understand this. The people who came out knew nothing other than slavery, right? 400 years. Nobody who came out of Egypt had any other idea of what it was like other to live like a slave. The slave mentality. For those of you who grew up poor, you might have a poverty mentality. This idea that whatever I have, I need to hold on to because I never know when I'm going to get it back. That's a, that's a thing. That's a real thing. And so they had this slave mentality. And so God, in his wisdom, says, okay, you're out of Egypt. We have to create another culture because under me, it's not a slave culture. Under me is freedom. Under me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what it's going to be. And so he sets up these laws, these rules. And one of the things he does is he sets up, uh, if you didn't know this, the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments make a lot of sense. The first few are about God. Uh, you don't have any other gods before me. I'm the only one. I'm it. It's called monotheism. Uh, I learned that in business school. Did I tell you I have a business degree? Okay. Uh, monotheism, okay? Don't, you know, don't have any idols, okay? Don't take the Lord's name in vain, okay? Which doesn't, it's, that's just so we're clear on that. Yes, it has to do with words you say, but it's about, I call upon God, but then I do it myself anyway. That's really calling, that's really taking the Lord's name in vain, not just, I used a bad word. That's part of it, fine, you can have that, but it's about going, I worship this God, I say I worship this God, but I act in my whole life like it's on me. Does that make sense, right? And then he goes on, and there's some other things that are really important, like don't kill each other. That makes sense, right? That would be on there. Uh, don't steal from each other. 
Okay, I, if I were making Ten Commandments, I would make that as one of them for sure. Um, don't look at other people's stuff or stuff that you don't have and just spend your whole life wishing you had it. That's no way to live. That's no good. Don't do that. Don't sleep with somebody else's spouse. Okay, that, ma- that, makes, t- that makes total sense. But in the middle of these Ten Commandments that make total sense, he shoves this one in there. And look at the context You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. For them, there were no days off. You didn't get sick because if you got sick, they weren't giving you medicine. You were discarded because you were a slave. They didn't care. You could either produce for them or not produce for them. And that was it. And he's saying, remember that? Remember what it was like to have no margin. Remember what it was like to feel like you had to rely on yourself all the way to the edges, all the way to the thing, and then all of a sudden there's a margin call and that's your brokenness and you just go, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Remember that? God's saying. Remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God basically freed you from that. Brought you out of that nonsense. Brought you out of that culture that says you have to do everything yourself. You've got to make sure that you achieve everything you need to achieve. You've got to make sure that everything works out. Because if you don't take care of you, no one's going to take care of you. Remember that? God's saying. Brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore. Isn't that cool? So. Remember, you're slaves. Remember, remember what it was like before COVID and you were going to work and the traffic and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh man, the kids were going here and there and you had to do book reports and all those things. Like, okay, yeah, remember that? Remember how you were just going right up, right up to the edge? It was exhausting. Remember how exhausted you were before COVID hit? Now, again, for, for a lot of us, COVID has been devastating, losing jobs, losing family members. I get all that. But we're going back to something. So putting aside all the grief that's happened during COVID, we're going back. Remember how stressful you were? How stressed it was? All the stuff that was going on? Remember that? Therefore, what do you think God's going to say? Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you, observe the Sabbath day. In other words, you take one day, And maybe for you, it's a Sunday. Maybe for you, it's another day, whatever it is. Maybe you figure out how to turn off your cell phone. Maybe you figure out whatever it is. It's just one day, okay? And you pull that aside. I'm just playing around for for that person. I'm not trying to shame you. Uh, That was just fun. It's a warning to everybody else. No. Observe observe the, the Sabbath day. Now, for them, this would have been crazy, Observe the Sabbath day. How is everything going to get done? And God's thing would be, you got to trust me. You got to trust me that I didn't design you for 24-7, up to the edge, no margin living. I didn't create you for that. That's not, you're not designed for that. Now in America, because that's where we live, we've, we've, we've adopted all these different things to help us maintain that 
right up to the margin, you know, microwaves and cell phones and all this kind of stuff to just be able to go, to give us the myth that we can handle it. We can't. Observe the Sabbath. Now, I want to be completely honest, completely transparent. I tell you this all the time. When I'm preaching, I try to own, okay, I'm horrible at this. I'm terrible at this. I'm better than I was two years ago. I was, I'm, I'm better than I was before my sabbatical. Remember that? That was a few years ago, four years ago, whatever. Uh, that was good for me. It kind of let me reset the Sabbath idea. But I'm still not good. I still rely on myself. I still kind of get my identity out of how hard I work, all those different things. But God would say, hey, 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 remember that? Remember the way it was? Let's not do that anymore. Let's build in, as we move back from COVID, let's build in margin into our lives. Jesus said this, because what happened was, typical humans, the Pharisees get into power, and they take the Sabbath, and what do they do? They make a whole bunch of rules. So basically, all during the Sabbath, you're like, um, can, I do, can I walk to the store? Oh, no, maybe can't walk to the store. Can I? Like they just, be, it just became this big, heavy load. Jesus one time said, you tie up heavy burdens on people and you don't even lift a finger to help them. You've just created this gross system. At one point he says this, which is really telling. One, he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, which was, they wanted to kill him for that. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, made for woman, made for people, made for humanity. Not man for the Sabbath. God has put this in. And so God created these, these three things for margin. One was the Sabbath, a built-in margin. You've got to understand this culture. It's, a, it's an agricultural culture. So like, well, who's going to tend to the cow, cows. And, and I didn't give you the whole part of the Ten Commandments, but there's all sorts of stuff like, hey, don't, don't milk the cows. Don't, like, you got 24 hours from sun, uh, sundown to sundown. You get, it, it's, that's the Sabbath. And so you, that's your time. And you think, well, what about the crops? What about, trust me, trust me. I know how all that works. I know how crops work. I know how cows work. I know all that kind of stuff. Trust me. It's how do you work? How do you function? And as human beings, we need a time to trust him. Sometimes it shows up in our work. We want to work extra hours, extra jobs, extra this, extra that. Sometimes it shows up in our relationships especially for those who have children. Because there's it, a lot of how we live in America is just saturated in fear. What if I don't make enough money? What if I can't retire? What if the kids can't go to college? For some, it's just like, hey, uh, you know, I need to put my kids into five different things because they might not get a scholarship. And if they don't get a scholarship in this, maybe they'll get a scholarship in this, or maybe they'll get a scholarship in this. And it's just like, ah, it's just crazy. You weren't designed for that. You weren't designed for that. Man was made for the Sabbath. So that was the first thing, the Sabbath. Jeez. Uh, so the second thing was tithe. 
Now, you're like, oh, no, we just came back to church, and he's talking about money, uh, right? You're like, I know, it's just my job. I just, I just try to just pull as much money out of Christians as I can. That's what I do. I got a toupee. We're going to pass around baskets. No, we're not going to do that. Um, but the, but the, uh, the idea of the tie, think about it from their perspective at that age. Uh, I mean, at that time. You would take your tithe, your tithe, you didn't do it like we would do now. Now we have online giving. You can go online, uh, Lisa and I, for our tithe. We, I set it up and the bank just sends in the money. I don't even, it just goes out, right? And maybe you do that too. Maybe you do online giving or maybe you write a check and you put it in the box in the back that we have or what have you. That's all fine. What they would do is they would gather their tithe. And so it would be in their house. Every day, they would realize that there's a margin already set up that I don't need to make every single dime or else I'm going to die. God has said, no, 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 no. You're going to trust me in your finances. And this tithe that you've set aside that you're going to bring to the storehouse, that's going to be a constant reminder to you that you can trust me in your finances. So you have the Sabbath built-in margin. You have the tithe built in margin. And then you have this obscure thing that I hope you take with you this week and in moving forward and when in whatever tier we end up in and however uh, really uh, how people in power want to do it, I hope you take this with you. As you begin to settle into back to normal, I hope that this will be the word picture that you see in your life. He says this in Leviticus 19.9, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. So imagine, now again, when we think of harvest, what do we think of? We think of middle America, giant fields, combines, tractors, just all this kind of stuff. We think of, you know, overalls is what I think of, and a straw coming out of somebody's mouth and whatever, whatever, however you think of field. That was not the case. Some of these families would just have a, a, a small plot of land and they get one shot at this crop. They plant it, they cultivate it, they, th that, that crop begins to grow and they got one shot. Now listen, if you got one shot, what would you do? You'd get every last little soybean or whatever it is because that's your one shot. You don't just the next morning wake up and there's a whole new crop. You have toiled and toiled and toiled and now it's time for a return. And God says, no, 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 here's what we're going to do. You got one shot to go through that. Any gleanings, in other words, anything that's fallen on the ground that's actually good, that you can actually eat it, you leave it. And, and don't go all the way to the edges. We're going to leave that too. And so now you're sitting there going, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I work those extra hours? Why wouldn't I work all the way to the end? I got bills to pay. I got people to feed. I got a cell phone bill. I got all this different stuff going on. Electricity and cable and all that. I got to go right to the edge. There can't be any margin. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't 
go to the edge. You're not designed for that. Why? He says again, don't go over your vineyard a second time. Now listen, this is very important. Or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. There is embedded into your margin other people. If my life, the entire existence of my life is that I work, 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 work. I get all the way up to the edges and I have nothing for anybody else. I've done it wrong. I've followed the Lord wrong. (laughs) I've wasted on myself. Don't go over the vineyard a second time. You say, why? Why is that? Oh, is it for poor people? And the four? Yeah, yeah, it's for all that kind of stuff. But how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to believe that? How am I supposed to like, and he goes on, he says this, I'm the Lord your God. That's why. In other words, you say, God, if I don't work to the edges, I'm not going to have enough. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm the Lord your God. I will take care of you. If you want to work to the edges, And you want to go back and pick up all the gleanings. And you want to live a life all the way where you're stressed out and you're just, you have no margin for anything. Go ahead. But there'll come a time in margin, you'll have a breaking point. And you know what I found out about breaking points? We always find the thing we didn't say we had. When we didn't have any margin, you're like, what is it? What are you talking about? We always find the thing we say we didn't have. So you're going to the edge, going to the edge, going to the edge. You got no time for your spouse because you guys are both working. You're doing everything. And all of a sudden your spouse says, you know what? I think I want to leave. All of a sudden you've got time and money for counseling. All of a sudden, you've got all this stuff. You're like, oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on. What's it? Well, you work too much. Okay, I'll cut my hours down. Oh, because crisis gets us to a place where we then go, oh, I found some time. You have an addiction, right? Because if you go to the edge, oftentimes we have to medicate. And then something happens where you reach a breaking point in that addiction. And all of a sudden, you have time to go, okay, I got I to get into a group. I got to go to rehab. I got to get to the, all of a sudden it's like, well, I thought that wasn't there. It is during crisis. Here's what the Lord is saying to us as we go back into what I would call the rat race or whatever. You have it there. Just trust him. I am the Lord, your God. You, if you have time for counseling to fix your marriage, you have time for date night. If you have money to help one of your kids get out of some horrible thing they got themselves into, you have time and money to spend with them now prior to the crisis. If you can go to your boss and say, listen, boss, whatever you call him or her, hey, jefe, um, if you go to them and say, listen, I, 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 my marriage is on the rocks. My kid is like completely off the rails. I got to leave at five. What does your boss say? Most likely, oh, I get it. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And there you go. Because crisis uncovers what was already there. But the lie of no margin blinds us to see it. God says, no, no, no. I'm the Lord your God. 
I'm the Lord your God. Build in margin. I will take care of the rest. Build in time. Build in financial margin into your life. In Deuteronomy, it says this, when you're harvesting in your field and you, and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, for the fatherless and the widow. Listen, so that the Lord your God may bless you. I'll take care of it. How many times? This is a question for myself. Don't answer it. It's for me. You guys blame me for stuff. How many of God's blessings have I missed because I wasn't willing to leave margin for him to work? It's a great question. I know for a fact, because I know me, there's been many times that I've missed out on the blessing of God because I didn't leave enough margin for him to work in my life. He goes on. Verse 22, back to our original thing. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Remember what it was like. Remember what it was like. Could we, as a group of people, take both? Where we remember how it was prior to COVID. Remember? The economy was great. This was great. Everything was great. La, la, la. But we were stressed out. We were over-medicating. We were all stressed out about this and that. Could, could we take... Yeah, we went through a tragic, tragic time. We lost whatever, 577,000, I think I read yesterday. Okay. But were there some things that we learned along the way that we could take back to build in margin before we go back to normal in our lives. Jesus says it this way. Therefore, I tell you, this is a very famous scripture. Many of you know this. Many of you have probably memorized it. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. And he asks this question, isn't life more than just all that stuff where you're just right up to the edge? Isn't life more than that? Isn't life more than just work, 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 get the kids through college, work, 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 and then all of a sudden I got retirement. Oh, man. Of course it is. Look at the birds of the air. You know my joke about this, that it's Jesus so he, like, created birds right on the spot and had them fly over, like the blue angels at the Super Bowl. They fly over at, like, the perfect time. He says, look at the birds of the air. There's a whole big flock that just flies over. Anyway, I read too much in the Bible. They don't sow or store away in barns and let what? Your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's the question. Are you not more valuable than they? And then... Can one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer is no. As a matter of fact, what we know by science is by worrying, you actually take hours away from your life. That's just fact. So why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, gone tomorrow, right? Tomorrow it's thrown away, thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? He has got you. But we find him in the margins. 
We find him in the margin of our finances. We find him in the margin of our time. We find him in the margin of our relationships. We find him in the margins. We have to create margin as the worship team comes back up. They're going to lead us in one more song. And um, For those of you who are here, at this time is when we fill out our connection cards. It's these little cards. They've all been disinfected. Um, so you're, you're totally safe. I've prayed over all of them. So there you go. Um, so we like to get one of these from every family just so we know you are here. We can follow up and pray for you. And so you can just, just put that in the box in the back. If you're online, if you're watching online, we'd love for you to fill out the online one. There's a little link in whatever you're watching right now. Um, so he says, don't worry. And then watch. He says this. For the pagans, we don't use that word very much anymore. Well, if you do, I can't help you. But for the pagans, run after all these things. Pagans were just people who, ha- who followed another system, another God. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's achievement. Maybe it's look at me. Maybe it's how many followers you have on Instagram. Maybe that's your thing. It's like the, they, you, they run after all these things. Your heavenly father knows you need them. And we find our Heavenly Father in the margins. We first seek His kingdom and His righteousness. All these things will be given to us. That first seeking kingdom and righteousness is found in the margins. Lord Jesus, it's so difficult in our culture to uh, put this into practice. As everything is fast and rushed and watch something and immediately something else is suggested that we watch. We buy something and immediately something else is suggested that we buy. We have no tolerance for one another. We just live right up to this edge of outrage and there's no breathing room. And yet, God, you have created us to find you in the margins to leave room for others because we trust that you'll take care of us. We thank you for that. In your name, amen.